Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is being ecumenical. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this topic came up to me because I meant to ask a better question when we were talking about Frederick Buechner on our last podcast, who happened to be Presbyterian. So I guess what I wanted to get at is where is the line between being ecumenical and being Lutheran, right? Does that make sense? I think so. So in the way of like when we think about working alongside of partners outside of a Lutheran tradition. Well, and even reading people who come from other faiths and how much do you take that to heart versus how much do you worry about if it follows your own faith tradition faithfully? That makes sense. And like, how do you test a theology or how do you... Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a part of our scripture that talks about testing things that you read in regards to what people say about God, to take a timbre of it, to listen to it and really compare it to what you know of Jesus, compare it to what you know about God and see whether or not it rings true to you. And I think in some ways that I do that as much with resources from the ELCA as much as I do with resources from other denominations and other faith traditions as well. That's fair. It's not only our other siblings in Christ, other denominations that I sometimes worry or wonder about. My own interpretations, right? The things that I have put out through this podcast and things that I've said, people should test and wonder and question and challenge because we're all learning about Jesus. We're all learning about God and no one person's response or theology is going to get it right all of the time. As a denomination, we have a certain idea, a certain theology that we in general align with and that we stay pretty true to and that we're able to say that most of our books and most of our publications will hold within a general line to. Mm -hmm. But even then, sometimes we'll get a random publication or a random piece of teaching that might be a little off-center of what I would be looking for. And I would tweak that. I would shift the way the question is put, or I might alter the prayer just slightly for our context. And so when I look to resources, whether they're written through our denomination or whether they're written by someone from another faith tradition or denomination, I use the same eyes testing it against the theology that I have found to be true and truth and find that way to articulate and live into it with the core principles holding accurate and sharing it as well as I can. I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. But I guess as somebody who would try to do it themselves, I don't trust my understanding of the core Lutheran beliefs So I wouldn't know how to go about doing that. That's a really good, really good point to know how does one go about that and how to trust yourself enough Mm -hmm. to know what is good and solid theology and what is really questionable or something that maybe isn't solid. 
But at the same time, when you read a meme on Facebook or a tweet on Twitter and your stomach goes, Mm -hmm. right, that's that's your spirit going, that's not that's not the way that God wants us to live. Right? Like if you were to read a tweet on Twitter that is something like, send us a thousand dollars and God is going to bless your family with undying devotion. And your stomach reacts with a that isn't right. Mm-hmm. We don't have to pay for God's love, right? You get somehow within you that that isn't the right way of interacting with the divine. So trust your instincts a little bit is what you're saying? Your instincts and know that you have spent enough time in the faith and you've spent enough time living in your faith to know what it is that is true and trustworthy. It can be dangerous. I mean, we are all going to lean towards things that make us more comfortable in Mm -hmm. our faith. Don't get me wrong, but I think in general, people who have consistently, regularly participated in faith communities will find it easier to discern than not. Sure. That being said, there's a lot of real bad theology out there. So that's always the problem. It's the same with, uh, you know, reporting and trying to seek the truth in what you read on the Internet in general. Yeah, it's hard. There's just a lot of real bad theology out there. How much do you recommend that people or how much do you yourself look towards other beliefs for ideas? And does it matter if they differ dramatically from yours or is that part of what you're looking for? I look a lot. Yeah. But again... I think that goes back to my initial training. Because I came into faith so late in my life, I'm not terribly late, I was 19, but it felt late. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And because I was so quick to go to seminary in my early 20s, but when I went to seminary, my religious training was at the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, where we had this incredible array of ecumenical and interfaith seminaries and teaching institutions and partners that were all our teachers, all our trainers. Mm -hmm. I think because that was the environment that I was formed in as a religious leader and my home congregation where I did my teaching parish work in and where I did my actual home sponsorship and all of that was very much an interfaith kind of a congregation. I think because of that, I thrive in ecumenical and interfaith work. I thrive when I get the opportunity to look at different perspectives of God and look at different ways of articulating the same concept and look at different ways of understanding what is worship and how do we access the divine and how do we, what is prayer and how do we engage in prayer in different ways and different language around prayer and different practice around prayer and 
different ways to access and understand scripture and different translations of scripture and all of those different pieces, I thrive at seeing the multiplicity of those aspects and ways of coming to view the divine. Many people do not. Mm -hmm. But I find for myself that it is a great way to expand and find a greater understanding, both of different people, different cultures, different emotions that people could be having, different responses. It just continues to build understanding and opportunities. But it's not for everyone, I guess. I don't know. I think everyone should look at it from all the different perspectives, but it seems like a lot of people don't. Yeah. It's right up there with the argument of going to a liberal arts college just to sort of expand your horizons on a bunch of different topics, whether or not you actually specialize in any of them is somewhat irrelevant. Yes. And I know that there is incredible benefit in having people who are hyper-focused and incredibly gifted with one single talent, right? Like we need folks who are so intensely skilled with one particular focus. And so I'm not trying to say that being ecumenical and interfaith-based and loving that kind of work and that kind of multivalent approach to the divine is the best way to go. It is a way to go. Mm -hmm. And understanding and having a deep dive at a single tradition and knowing it backwards and forwards and being able to really know exactly where you stand on all things from a single tradition is also deeply rich and deeply important. So God creates a vast variety of individuals and situations for lots of different reasons. I find a wonderful blessing to be able to look at the beauty coming out of the Presbyterian's writings Mm -hmm. or writings on the Buddha or studies on Sufism or many different things. Mm -hmm. I think there is much to learn. Is your seminary experience one that is typical with that kind of ecumenical bend and interfaith alliance between everybody? Or is that atypical for somebody who is being trained? So for the ELCA, which is our denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, Mm -hmm. the seminary that we have in Berkeley is the only seminary that is set up in that structure. Okay. So of our seminaries around the country... Our seminary that is affiliated with the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley is the only one that has that kind of ecumenical opportunity built into its DNA. That being said, I know that they have a multiplicity of different programs that they allow there now. And so it may be that those who are on site on campus still access that, but those who are taking more courses off site may not have quite the same access to all of that. So seminary education is changing, has been changing, and Mm -hmm. I graduated quite some time ago. So things continue to change. What kind of formal agreements are there then between the ELCA and other denominations? The ELCA is pretty unique in that we have a lot of formal ecumenical agreements and a lot of ecumenical partners. 
In fact, we often serve as a bridge denomination for different denominations that can't partner with each other, Mm -hmm. but they can partner with us and therefore can do work with one another if we're involved. So because we live in the gray as much as we do, it's possible for, say, the Episcopalian Church, for which we have a full communion partnership and we are able to be in full relationship with, and the African Methodist Episcopal denomination, the AME denomination, of which we have a full communion partnership, we can be in partnership together. We are in full communion partnership with the Methodists and the Presbyterians. So these are all groups. Um, I believe that we are in full communion partnership with the United Church of Christ as well. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of them. And it really opens up our opportunities for not just fellowship, but collaboration on different initiatives, collaboration around houselessness and feeding people. And there are quite a few now congregations in more rural areas where the Methodists and the Lutherans, the ELCA Lutherans, are banding together and merging congregations and working together to do some amazing ministries, especially around real on-the-ground work on feeding people and housing people and doing work in rural communities together. So those kinds of things are possible because we agree in our theology enough on who is God and who is Jesus and how do we read the scripture and how do we understand communion and what do we understand about how we live our lives as people of faith. And with our base understanding of those things, together enough, we can work alongside of one another to help bring the kingdom of God that one step closer. And that's what ecumenical work is really about. Okay, then. Is there a fine line or are we splitting hairs when we talk about ecumenical work versus interfaith work? It's actually vastly different. Okay. Because ecumenical work, we have between us the commonality of Jesus, We believe in a triune God. We believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Creator. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in all of those pieces. We share the Greek scriptures and the Hebrew scriptures and our understanding of them. So we have all of those things in common with our Christian siblings, and that's our ecumenical work. When it comes to interfaith work, now we're talking about working alongside of our Jewish siblings, or our Muslim siblings, or those who are a part of the Baha'i faith. And so we begin to go outside of Christian tradition, and we begin to find other ways to work alongside of our Hindu siblings and our Buddhist siblings to find ways to find common ground where we continue to work towards a sacred tradition together without the commonalities of a particular story that bonds us, but with particular values, morals, guides, goals, hopes, and dreams for the world in which we share. And so that is a different level and different kind of work because then we're also working across cultures Often we may be working across race, 
And we're often working, particularly in the United States, we're working with folks of the global majority, but we are working in the United States that they are often the minority culture. Mm -hmm. And so we have a whole lot of isms to start breaking down. And so it's much harder work to do interfaith work with intentionality, respect, and success. It seems like with the way the world, and I'm going to be specific, the way this country splinters off with key issues, that that work has gotten a lot harder recently. Do you see that trend of, I'm stuck on this one issue, whether it's reconciled in Christ or whatever, that I can't get past that, so I'm going to splinter off and form my own group. Do you see that as the way we're going, or do you think we're finally more coming together to be able to work on bigger issues like homelessness and feeding people? It's a great question, and I think it's both and answer. I think it's almost hard to like look beyond your specific experience to see the wider picture, right? Yeah, I think in some ways that there are many who are in an inside group they lean more and more to their inside group and are closing off more and more mm -hmm. and are doing less and less with others, even on these more global issues that impact all of us, mm -hmm. regardless of anything. And then for those on the outside of those inside groups, that there is more of a gathering. And I'm thinking of those who are younger Mm -hmm. Those who have less access to wealth at this point in time, those who have less access to stability, those who have less access to opportunity, there is a much higher rate at which they are beginning to organize and begin to lean into actions of community organization and community mutual aid in order to rely upon one another to do the work as a large group, regardless of belief systems or histories that break them apart. But history tells us that people oftentimes segregate incredibly, mm -hmm. segregate into smaller pods before they come together to make things work for a large group, right? Mm -hmm that people tend to isolate quite substantially. And so in this time of change and upheaval, I think we do see a lot of that isolating, segregating kind of activity. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question then. For somebody who reads a lot that is not necessarily of a Lutheran faith, mm -hmm. who is your favorite non-Lutheran author out there? I do love Frederick Buechner. Yeah. I mean, that's what brought us into this conversation, right? Yep. I do love the way that he so gently brings concepts forward and offers them in such an accessible and kind and beautiful way. I do love Buechner very, very much. I also like Buechner in some ways because, like Mr. Rogers... Much of his writing is not so obviously Christian mm -hmm. that it scares my non-faith friends away from it. That makes sense. It speaks to the holy and to the divine, 
and to the sacred mysteries of life, but it doesn't scare them away from it. And so I can talk about vocation or I could talk about the holiness of tears without saying, you know, even Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. Because if I say even Jesus wept to my friends who have been so hurt by the church that they will not step into it, they're not listening anymore. But if I say tears tell us to pay attention, if they're sad or if they're happy, tears just tell us to pay attention. So don't be afraid of your tears. Just pay attention to them. Drink some extra water. It's going to be okay. Right? That speaks to the holiness without ever having to say God or Jesus. But God and Jesus are so imbued within that entire concept that grace soaks it. And so for me, living in a post-Christendom world, living in a space where so many people have been so harmed by organized religion and who is just seeking to help people know that they are loved and that they are worthy of love and that there is a God in this world who thinks that they are holy and beloved and will be with them through the hard things, not cause the hard things because they are worthless. Frederick Buechner gave words for that. And so that's where he's one of my favorite authors. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about being ecumenical. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening along. If you have thoughts or wonderings or questions about any of this, we would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.